Hello and welcome to the North Bank Podcast, where, as ever, I am joined by Steph and Chris. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi. It's not often we've had a bit of a, a miserable game to look back on, but here we are. Villa away yesterday, 1-0 um, defeat. Before I get your, your takeaways on it, I'll, I'll just go through some of the match stats <laughs> Villa, we lost 1-0, obviously. Villa had key 10 stat. attempts. <laughs> yes, is the key stat. Can I, you stop I, there? <laughs> I suspect you're going to mention that quite a few times um, over the next 45 minutes or so. We've, we, Villa had 10 attempts on, on goal, three on target. We had 12 attempts on goal and five on target. And Steph, this next stat is for you. I don't normally give this one. Villa... Had an XG, so from created chances, Villa, uh, Villa's XG was 0.7. Our XG was 1.8. So, you know, my takeaway has been a lot more positive than yours has been. And I think that's where I will kind of default or def- that's what I'll defer to those stats in, in terms of some justification for what I've thought. Um, we had 61% of possession uh, throughout the game. Now, a lot of that may be because Villa were defending a 1-0 lead, but I actually don't think so. I think that's that's how we played. I think there were 15 minutes before half-time and 20 minutes after half-time where play play those minutes again with that level of control and we'll score two or three goals. It's I think our shooting boots were left on the coach. Anyway, I've kind of given a little bit of my takeaway on it. Steph, you were at the game, so I think... First positive word goes to you, eh? Your main takeaway. Um, the well, my positive of the day was that um, opposite the Witten Arms, which used to be the away pub uh, for Aston Villa, uh, but they've now converted it to a home pub. Um, opposite there um, was a kebab shop, um, uh, Mister Donna Romania. Uh, which was absolutely banging. That was brilliant. <laughs> One of the best kebabs. Where I had a lamb and chicken shawarma wrap that was absolutely delicious and not too. So, Chris, what about hard. you? What's your main takeaway? <laughs> when, I, when I said main takeaway, I, I didn't literally mean like takeaway grub. Sorry, 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 sorry. I think he's being pithy. I think he might be. Do you think? Uh, it begins with P. It's not pithy. Um, <laughs> so. I mean, all I've obviously we were sending a lot of messages back and forth as well around uh, around the day, and it's just made me reflect on all the different ways in which we watch football. Because you know, a few of us sort of said about you know the eye test me live in the stadium seemed a lot more negative than perhaps uh, the folks watching at home. And this isn't just from you. I had a, a colleague at work who's a West Ham fan, you know, no real skin in the game, um, who even he was saying, I thought you actually played quite well. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I can, have... Can I can I jump in there and say fo- Football 365s, um, they do 16 conclusions on key games and they did the 16 conclusions on our game and their yeah, kind of it, headline... Yeah into it was something along the line I'm paraphrasing that because I can't remember it along the lines of Villa must be considered title contenders full stop but Arsenal should have won that game full stop mm. and Gunner Blog's um, title for his on the whistle uh, vlog was Arsenal failed to plunder open safe so 
that, that yeah, it's not just it wasn't just me with my kind of red and white tinted glasses. And I totally get that, but I just felt like given all the games we've seen this season, and 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 for a long time we've all been saying actually we're well at first we thought well we're not playing very well this season. And then we realised we were playing a bit differently and it was just a little bit more subtle and subdued way of playing. Whereas I felt that yesterday was just really poor. There were moments where it looked like the team were suddenly complete strangers to each other. That Martin Odegaard, Saliba, even Saka at times, they'd been possessed by alien beings and it was like invasion of the body snatchers. They were just like these human husks wandering around and, and, and who didn't even know what football was. William Saliba passed out, passed back to the key... Well, was it to Raya? Was it to Gabriel? Because it found the ball boy at the end of the pitch. And it was just bizarre to watch the... I don't know, the, the level of play. And like you say, the more general play... And I have reflected since, and, and I can accept that the general play, the bigger picture, was was quite good. But it was all undermined by the fact that they got their goal early, which was a very good goal. Um, it reminded me of, I remember there was a time when Emery was an Arsenal um, uh, manager, coach, as he was then, where there were a couple of times when his teams, you know, with that passing out from the back, uh, I, I seem to remember a Lacazette goal against Southampton, um, where it, it was worked through the pitch just kind of like they did. And, and did, then didn't, he, didn't we get a really good goal at Fulham that went down? Yes, went exactly, through the whole with pitch uh, Ramsey, well, I think, um, got yes, that one as yes, well. Yeah. So, you, you know, fair play. Uh, and I did think Villa were very good. Villa are on to a good thing at the moment. They are very good at home. If they can, if they can replicate even some of that away from home, absolutely right. They're they're probably up there somewhere. You, you wonder but, if it's sustainable. Um, okay, can but, I just just to like Villa were ordinary after the first eight nine minutes that, that at home that that I think I messaged on the group chat. That we've we've burst that Villa home myth, and this was about half time. You know that there was we were creating far more threats than they were there for the taking. Yes, absolutely, they were there for the taking. If you even watching it through, kind of um, fingers and so on, I, I, I take exactly completely what you're saying. But like two truths can coexist. We we, we were sloppy in possession. Mm-hmm. We we weren't like as fluent as we, we were. And a lot of that, again, is down to the opposition and the context to begin with. But from about the 25, 30 minute mark, we we just kind of ascended into like some supreme control. We, we, we were not threatened at the back. And I think that's what makes it more frustrating, though, yes, Holly, is... Yeah. That we were in control, and yeah. what Steph says, and as you said, there are, the two truths can coexist, and that I found it hugely frustrating that there were those weird balls going out of play and not finding people, and this, the most simple passes going astray, where you think, now there's a collective kind of malaise going mm. on here. It seemed to be infectious almost. It was. Where, and then uh, and as the game went on into the second half, I found it interesting that Saka became sort of petulant, as he normally is quite 
in control of his emotions and he gets kicked from pillar to post every game. We know that. But there was a little bit of dissent where he kicked the ball back to the keeper and he was lucky not to get a booking for it. But I think he got away with it because he was kicking it back to the keeper for a goal kick. But he he booted it and it was a real kind of frustration. And then Rice did the same thing a few minutes later where he overran it, got carded. It was just uncharacteristic. And I think they were more frustrated with themselves. If they look back on it, they'll reflect and they'll think we had the chance to do them there, you know. Yeah, and and in spite of all of those things you've just documented and the the sloppiness and so on, we still created enough chances to to win that, not to draw that game, but to win that game. And Erdegaard missed two really, for him, presentable chances. The, the, The one that really annoys me about Jesus is is... Saka played the ball to him and he was set, kind of sent, maybe penalty spot, on his own and he miscontrolled it. All he had to do was control that and it was a, well, I say that for, an, for a clinical striker, it was an easy, an easy finish. Um, and so I've written one word for my takeaway and you said it, Chris, it was frustration. And, but it's not frustration, and we'll talk about VAR and the ref and so on, but it, it's not frustration of that. It, it, I had echoes of the Newcastle game with this one, um, I, although I think our performance was better this weekend than it was at Newcastle, um, yeah. and may, maybe the Newcastle VAR was was more egregious into, than, than yesterday as well. But we had enough chances and positions. Our front three were all... Below our uh, front four, sorry, we're all a little bit below par. I thought Saka used that frustration quite positively. Um, he, th- that pass to, to Jesus was it was hit hit at him quite with some force, make it as if to make a point. But Jesus was in acres of space in a penalty box and just miscontrolled it. Um, so I, I, I get, I get the frustration. I get the sloppiness and so on. We weren't as cohesive as we as we could have been, but we are playing one of the only two teams with 100% home records who are flying. And they just absolutely beasted Man City four days earlier. And okay, they only won that game 1-0 as well. So the record books were that you could not get two kind of con- contrasting 1-0 wins than those two. Villa got away with it. And they oh, know totally. it. And they yeah, know yeah. it. And we were, I think, Steph, you said halfway through the game that Villa are the best side that you've seen us come up against this season. Um, but Villa will be saying the same thing about us. I, I actually that's... think the bizarre thing is, I, I think that we will take far more positives from that game and use the sense of injustice at the end to, to kind of reinforce that somewhat. But as a fan... I'm like really strange. I did not anticipate this reaction to that to losing that game. I'm I'm now thinking, well, bring on Brighton and bring on Liverpool. I've got much more confidence going into those two games now because I think we are the best team in the league. I think we are the most, um, org- the best organised, the most um, tactically astute team. I know that the that Emery did well with his substitutions yesterday, and that did disrupt the flow for us somewhat. And I'm I was I understood bringing Martinelli off, but. Oh, sorry. I'm still bringing Trossard on. I'm not sure Martinelli off was the was the play, unless you're bringing Nelson on because I think that high line and that ball through was perfect for someone with Nelson's pace to run onto. And that tactic, we did try it in the second half at least. We didn't try it in the first half, but we did try it in the second half, and it nearly came off a few times. It did come off a few times, but again, 
from great opportunities, we we fluffed our, our lines somewhat. So I, I'm actually like sanguine. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> I was going to say, you managed to get through, you managed to get through like a a speech, like a page of a speech there, and then you just coughed at the end. That that was pretty good. That wasn't me, that was Steph. (laughs) If I, I I can just kind of round off with my very brief takeaway would be the frustration, the frustration that I feel is with the VAR decisions, we had enough chances to not make them matter. And now we're going to be talking about them and everyone's more angry about them. And Arteta and his presser afterwards, you know, pursed lips. Uh, it shouldn't have mattered. We had enough chances to kill it. And that, that is my kind of abiding frustration now today. So sign a striker in January. <coughs> Tony. <laughs> Tony. Would that, would that we all, have made... We've all got that cough. Yeah. Oh, it's catching. It's catching. It's really catching. Yeah. Would, that have, <laughs> Tony. would that have made a difference yesterday? Well, it would have been a plan B. Because Plan A wasn't working. Well, and Plan A was Jesus as a as a central striker, um, and and mm. as great as his play can be, I, I want him to score goals. Well, just, there were enough chances for the rest of them though. Yes. yesterday to, he, to wrap it up. Yeah. I don't think it's about having a central striker. Yesterday there were enough. I mean, we did we didn't mention that Saka had a golden opportunity just before Villa scored. Should have scored. Where it, he yeah. could have taken that down. He had time on his right foot and he blazed it on his right. He had time to check back in on his left and have a go. Yeah. It's it's funny. I said before the game started on our group or even in the last podcast, if we are clinical, we'll win the game. And it's because yeah. I knew we'd create the chances because Villa do ship a load of goals. And yet, I, I'm not going to say that again because it was the, I put the curse the curse on them because they <laughs> they were the opposite of clinical. Um, yeah. Well, just, just, just to vent a little bit more of, 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 of my feelings then. And, and some of these things are absolutely contradictory because we... The pleasing thing is that we're finding out that last season wasn't a fluke. And what that's Mm. done is set the bar at such a level Mm. that I come away from yesterday's performance so annoyed because we've got the flip side, haven't we? And you hear strikers talk about this, especially pundits who used to be strikers. They say they're much more worried if the striker isn't getting the chances. Well, at some point you also have to say it's also a bit crap not finishing those chances as well. And so (laughs) it was good that we were creating those chances and we did um, control the game to a certain degree but there were lots of individual errors and some of those chances were more than presentable. And that's why you come away feeling pretty crap about the fact that that they've allowed uh, that to happen. Because like you say, and when I said about Villa being, you know, the best team we've faced, it was because they had the clearest identity of any team. Now that identity is a little bit, you know, crazy and a little bit risky because they play such a high line. And it, I think for a while, we wondered exactly what to do because the, the play was so compressed. But eventually, and this is, and I agree with you on the Martinelli uh, withdrawal, because our solution seemed to be the diagonal balls over to him. And he ran Konza ragged. Konza had to be replaced. Matty Cash came on so they could, well, from my view, rotate the fouls um, a little bit more with a few more bodies uh, rather than anything else because Villa also had that, um, dual side to them where they were so quick on the counter 
whenever they could turn over the ball, but they were also so aggressive in their press um, in order to sort of make that happen. So, you know, they're, they're going to do great things, but we are absolutely oh, kicking ourselves f- because we, we, we just couldn't finish those, those sorts of points off. And I think, you know, an alternative method might have been a bit more crucial. You know, a, a player that you either can play behind or can come short and hold the ball up and allow Saka and Martinelli. I mean, Mar- Saka got through, didn't he? But the, the one thing he didn't beat was the offside trap, which is exactly what Villa are playing into. But they leave, you know, their goalkeeper exposed. So Saka did have the ball in the net at one point, but it, it sadly was offside. But it was just such a frustrating thing to watch live because, and again, reflecting on this today, a player makes a mistake and you hear the groan, you feel the groan. So you don't necessarily get the the replay of what could have unfolded or you don't get the statistics that show you that the possession is high or that we are actually creating those chances. All we get is that sense of, oh dear, when a pass goes awry or a shot really isn't sort of taken very well. And it just felt like there were more of those moments to get frustrated about, especially compared to, to previous games that we've had. And and I think you're absolutely right. I also reflected on the pa- Everyone's going to be f- so distracted by VAR and officials. And I'm sort of bored of talking about it because nothing is going to change anytime soon. And and you can't even speak about it as, as Arteta's post-match attested to. So what you've got to do is take those chances so it doesn't matter and just try. And it shouldn't be that way. You know, if if we're talking about, you know, a fair game and, and, and whatnot and all those sorts of things, then, then fine. Absolutely, it needs looking at. I mean, I hate the bloody process altogether, but just just kill the game. <laughs> okay, so I've heard that you don't want to talk about VAR and the ref. So let's talk about VAR and the ref. Uh, why? Why do we do sorry. this again? Go, so, go and have a cup of tea, Steph, and sorry. we'll just yeah, we'll put, just mash you, through. It. I mean, I, don't get me wrong; in. I have opinions on them, but it's just right. Okay, I've I've kind of whittled it down to three key decisions: the Jesus penalty decision or non-penalty mm. decision, Havertz handball goal, and the elbow on Eddie. Was that uh, Carlos, the Brazilian centre back? Yeah. I think it was actually Bruno Gimaraes. <laughs> what, what happened was, or it was his arm, because what happens is if if you use Bruno Gimaraes' arm, isn't a weapon, it's yeah. not a weapon, yeah. exactly. Or it's, is it, it's a Brazilian arm, not a weapon. That's, That's it. That's what it is. Unless it's an Arsenal player's of arm, course. in which case so it's a sending off. I've, I've subdivided these three decisions further. I've said the Jesus penalty decision and the Havertz handball decision was down to poor refereeing, not poor VAR. Um, and I, I tell you why, because you could, uh, for me, the Jesus penalty decision was a penalty. Uh, Palace, the Palace one earlier on in the day was a penalty, but you have seen those not given as well as given. So there is, there is, you've got to allow maybe for opinion in that sense. Go on, Steph. Well, just therein lies for me, the flaw in the whole process. If you've got something like that, which is a subjective decision, by making one call one way, 
because you're able to review it and watch it again and again on a video and freeze frame it at the point of contact so it might look worse or or, or better than it actually does it's no wonder that that fans react in this way when what looks like relatively similar decisions have two different outcomes but because that's we've always the been bar. the case we've well it has always been the case case but we're less forgiving of those decisions now because we have this safety net system in place right which so creates well, this ferrari so why i why i think i've i've the issue with this is that i don't think that var have looked at that and seen clear and obvious error i think they've looked at it and and thought well, okay, so they would had that been awarded as a penalty, they would have give they would have on field decision would have stood, and I think the same is would would be the case for the Havertz handball. I've got so I've put that down as poor refereeing. There is no way on this planet that that referee saw the cha- the sequence of events that that transpired for that goal. Why he did just, he disallow it? He just blew his whistle and disallowed the goal and thought, well, let VAR can look after that. Exactly. And that's his cop-out because it was a 90th minute goal. And again, had that goal counted, I don't know what, VAR probably would have disallowed that one because it did hit his hand. But then, and I don't think they would have given the penalty. I know people have been screaming for the cash penalty, but the ball came from behind him and hit his arm. He had no, he didn't move his hands. I mean, they should change the, the rule for the, handball it should be like deliberate handball or nothing it's like if the ball's coming from behind someone and your arm's out like not in a, he, he wasn't putting it out to block anything he was putting it out because he was balancing in midair or whatever on one one foot and it hit his arm it's but if it's that old thing holly we've seen them given oh no absolutely it was it was it was i mean i've watched it so many times and it was kind of coming at him from the side and he kind of cuffed it and then went on to Havertz and then but I mean then it was ping pong and then you, it's anyone's guess what what but there's no way the referee saw any of that well that's well, absolutely and that's but you said it and you said it he copped out the yeah. cop out was I'll I'll default to not allowing the goal in a similar way that against Newcastle at the moment it's home side advantage the goal against Newcastle he defaulted kind of to allowing it or VAR did yeah and doesn't that doesn't that then perpetuate the level of poor officiating yeah because referees if you've got a safety net you, you're just gonna yeah. go yeah. okay well I'll let them deal with you it. know you're supposed to you're supposed to give the advantage to the forward where's your decisiveness hmm. right so I, I put them to down to poor refereeing in the first instance and and then the system perhaps um after that the elbow on Eddie was a straight red card all day long, mm-hmm. but I do not blame the referee for that. However, because he was looking the other way. However, he gave a yellow card. Mm. So how? Because he's Did the not supposed. See it, the, but the VAR looking at that. There's that one angle from high up in the stand. It's a blatant elbow. It's dangerous play, and it's a red card all day long. More so than the Bruno Gimaraes one for me. So I put that one down to poor VAR. Now, I didn't. Th- I don't think anything of this. I heard s- someone tweeted shortly after the game, oh, Jared Gill, it's a Liverpool fan. And I thought, just the usual kind of, you know, red mist Arsenal fan, etc. However, I've since discovered that he is a Liverpool fan and he doesn't officiate on any Liverpool games. So why on earth is he allowed to officiate on a game 
against a, a game involving Liverpool, one of Liverpool's direct rivals. Now, I'm not saying that he's a cheat. However, <laughs> there's got to be some, there could be some unconscious bias there that he's, you know, mm. I, I, don't, I don't know. But to avoid any such accusations, he shouldn't be anywhere near officiating on a, an Arsenal game, a Man City game, um, a Villa game now. You know, any, direct, any game that's got a direct impact on Liverpool, he's not allowed to officiate. So you either, you either trust his integrity or you don't. And he's, he's not, he doesn't officiate on any Liverpool game. So he shouldn't officiate mm. on an Arsenal game. He once refereed a Liverpool legend side against an AC Milan legend side and was quoted about talking about his excitement about it. Look, I don't, I don't want to get into to all that kind of conspiracy and, and, and corruption. I think it's incompetence just generally. But at the same time, it's incompetent. I, I, I just want to keep talking about the systems that are in place. And for me, VAR should only be there if the on-field ref either completely misses something, like they did the red card for yeah. uh, for Carlos, uh, the elbow, the elbow. On, on, Ed, yeah. on Eddie, or if the referee needs them, okay? Because let's go back to the goal for one second. Now, I'm a, I'm a big rugby fan. A try is scored in rugby. The referee will do a quick check to their TMO, the, uh, the TV match official, and say... Is there any reason I can't award a try? And it has to be like just a, an absolute blatant reason why. If there's anything that's even got even the slightest bit of mitigation, they just don't accept it because you know they want they want the scores and they want the excitement, um, and that's only really if the referee calls for it. So uh, there's just this system in place. And then the other thing that's really bothering me is our inability to talk like grown-ups about it because not only is the Arteta post-match interview for the rest of the season basically going to be him doing his best Mourinho impression I, I say nothing I say nothing Clear and if obvious. I speak if I speak yeah. if I speak I find I find if I speak I'm fine so we're going to have that but similarly us as fans will have a discourse online social media or whatever and the moment we complain about something, rival fans just go, oh, yeah, you're only saying that because it happened to you and blah, blah, blah. So then it becomes a whole sort of tribal thing. And it's absolute nonsense. It's, it, it, look at Roy Hodgson's yes. interview on TNT Sport yesterday. Now, aside from the hypocrisy of everyone going, oh, isn't it sad what Roy's saying about football <laughs> when Arteta was saying the same a month ago and everyone was going, isn't he wrong to say that? It's in the way such a they terrible said it, way. as well you know. Oh, it's cuddly I, old Roy, though, isn't it? It's, but, but it I, I know it's the way he said it, but Arteta is 30 or 40 years his junior yeah. and he's only <laughs> starting out in his career, is yeah. speaking in his second language and he's just essentially really pissed off. Yeah. Whereas Roy is a bit more hangdog about things. Um, but they're saying exactly the same thing. Yeah, and, but I think Roy's will get more traction and, and, and I'm pleased because it's not spoken by somebody who's got skin in, who's got like 30 years future skin in the game. It's spoken by somebody who is who has said that if he leaves the game tomorrow, he won't miss it because of the refereeing and the VAR. And I think that's going to have a, f a far bigger impact on the people it needs to have an impact on than Arteta, 30 years his junior, who's speaking 
from a position of anger. And what he's saying is absolutely spot on. And the same is just he's just his delivery is 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 different. But I I think I was delighted to hear Roy Hodgson say that. And I was I watched that interview. It was about six and a half minutes long. And he said he made that comment halfway through. And Rio Ferdinand completely ignored it and, and asked him a question he'd obviously had stored up in his head. But the, the host, I can't remember her name. Lindsay Hipgrave. She went back to it and got him to, and, and got him to kind of draw, drew him out on it. And that was really good because he really wanted to talk about it. And he wasn't sh- shouting and spewing. He was genuinely beaten by it. And I think that's going to have far more impact on Howard Webb when he sees somebody like that react like that, he was beaten. He was like completely, and I think that's much, that's got much more weight and much, will have much more impact. Uh, and let the reaction be, isn't that sad about Roy? I don't care. That's good because that will hurt. That will sting because he, Roy Hodgson will carry a lot more people with him than Arteta or De Zerbi. Mm. I, I totally agree with that. And, you know, we're on the same page, but what I'm, find it it's just it's inconsistency with the whole thing because there's not a conversation happening properly about it for change you said about howard webb that if anything they're just going to batten down the hatches even more i think because there's so many of these situations happening that they simply cannot keep demoting referees which is for me is an about faced way of dealing with it anyway um and no one can can offer criticism the referees don't come out and talk about their justification even and and because the technology is there they don't even have that gout you know before VAR if a referee made a bad call they could probably just turn turn around to the player and say I'm sorry I didn't see it like that or I'm sorry I didn't see it and we move on but we don't do that now because you have to have seen it because there's 50 cameras in the place watching it and there's three blokes Mm. in a in a truck out in stockley park who are also watching it so we have to pick up on every minute little bit of detail that's now getting in the way of the actual football which is why roy hodgson is so sad and why we're all so pissed off uh about games just turning into farce basically and i i I don't think it 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 is or will remain tribal if it is i think it is quite unanimous amongst every single football fan because it's not it's not a case of next week it'll be you it already has been you this week mm-hmm. it's us you know it's 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 i mean liverpool have benefited since that spurs get go non-goal the Spurs game they've benefited from someone documented their last four games and they've all benefited from 50-50 VR, VR decisions in every game that has directly led to them winning each of those games um, I'm sure that if you ask a United fan about VAR, they, they'll they'll spit feathers about um, the the leniency that Man City get and that Liverpool get. But you speak to a City fan, and I'm sure they'll be able to document two, three, four incidents where they've suffered at the hands of VAR and so on. I think it is kind of so widespread. Yes, yeah. yeah, so widespread that it's no longer tribal. I take it you've seen uh, Guardiola's antics on the touchline against Luton. So I've only, I've, I didn't watch any football today because you know I needed a I needed a break. And just seeing bits online, uh, Luton are one 0 up against Man City. Uh, Half time, he goes storming onto the pitch. 
finger pointing right in the face of the officials. And then at the end of the game, he's out of his technical area um, doing the kind of sarcastic, you know, um, celebration uh, as a way of trying to show two fingers up to the to the officials, basically, because he was so outraged by whatever it was in the game. I don't even know or care. Which, when you think that Arteta got a yellow card for over-celebrating for leaving his technical area, again, it's the thing that's bothering me. And the thing I know everyone will say is, oh, yeah, but you're only saying that because it's Arteta and Arsenal. No, 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 it's, it's just inconsistency. Like, Steph, Steph, what are you Steph, doing? it's always been like that. It has always why, been like why that. Why then is it's it, always, is it George so George Graham did a now? famous speech. George Graham did his... Name another club that's been docked two points for scrapping on the pitch at Old Trafford. George Graham used a them against us speech. It's well documented and, and famous speech to, to fire us up and, you know, get that in. It's always been like that. It's it's just because we're living in it now, and it's it's got it, it it's wearing a different face at the moment. It's it's VR. The inconsistencies have always been there. It, what I can't understand is like, there's no way any football fan looks at the elbow on Eddie and doesn't see a red card. So I don't understand the level of incompetency there. I, VR is allowing officials and you know linesmen as well, assistant referees as well that that. They don't have to call offside anymore because they know that the cameras will pick it up. And I don't like that. That's, you know, they're, they're kind of rene- reneging responsibility or, or relinquishing responsibility far more far too often now. Whereas before, without VAR, they had to call it. They had to make a decision. But there were, there were always inconsistencies because it's human. We used to rage at referees and rail at referees all the time. They were always a, um, a talking point. I think our frustration now is because VAR was supposed to kind of eradicate that, perhaps. Well, it's the irony, isn't it, that we used to go to the pub after a game and talk about was it offside, was it handball and whatever, and now we're going to the pub and just moaning about VAR. You know, that's because that's replaced the game itself, as now it's just the decisions made by these incompetent, and as you said, Steph, these inconsistencies that drive us mad. Well, mm. that same happened the other day, and now it's not being enforced in this game. And it is, it's universal. It's not just Arsenal. My real issue with VAR is not being able to celebrate a goal because you, you're thinking well, that's something. The, that's, that's the greatest the, tragedy that's of it. That's it. That's the thing. That's the real thing for me. And, mm. and the Havertz goal was case in point. I didn't. I didn't start celebrating it because no, neither did I. It's no. like, well, something's happened. When I was a kid, I used to. Um, I mean, I used to watch any kind of sport, but particularly F one um, a lot more when I was a kid. And the reason I drifted away from it was when it went through this spell of trying to really nitpick on some of the details. Uh, uh, teams or drivers seem to be getting these advantages or whatever it might be and I I understand there's got to be rules and guidelines you know it's it's formula one you know you're given these restrictions and blah 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 and you have to adhere to them but it was when results would be changed after the race that seemed sort of a problem now it's not that results are changing after the fact in football but it does feel like, especially when you're there in the stadium, and we've all experienced this, where something outside of that environment is governing what's going on. And it something just doesn't sit right with that. 
I agree. And as a football fan, you go for that spontaneity of the ball hitting the back of the net and you exploding in joy. But the fact that someone is far away watching on a screen and is able to curtail that, it's really sad. It's sanitising it, it's it, isn't it? It's very... Well, it, it's clearly for the TV viewer. It's it adds and more drama. It's not for the the fa- the match going fan at all. Once so upon think, a time, you just a goal would go in. I'd quick do a quick glance to the linesman to see if the flag mm-hmm. was up. If the flag wasn't up, you 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 go for it because you know the goal was going to stand because you'd already have heard a referee's whistle. Whereas now it's like, yeah, there's this existential threat to my moment, which is why I, I perhaps my. My negativity today is because of such positivity midweek at Luton. And I'm not talking about just of the fact that we got a 97th minute winner, although that bloody helps, obviously. Um, I'm talking about the fact that VAR wasn't involved. In that game, there was there was really nothing. It, it, again, it wasn't that we were playing badly against Luton. We weren't passing out to no one uh, like we were against Villa. Luton away is a very different beast to Villa away. Or sorry, Villa away is a very different beast to Luton away. I, I know, which is why it seemed bizarre that we would make those kind of errors at Villa and why it was just so distressing. And I don't know, there, were just, there wasn't those stoppages in the, in the game and there wasn't the the time wasting that wasn't dealt with and there wasn't the inconsistency of decisions and it all felt, oh, it just felt weird at can Villa. I, can the I ask you a question? Much th- after we, we went to Lons and lost 2-1, was it 2-1 there? Or 2-0? Yeah, yeah. Was it 2-0 or 2-1? 2-1. Deserved to get beat. Raya passed right. it out, went straight to yeah. their player. Bang, okay. goal. So are you worried about Villa at home in a return game? Less so because they are... I'm not. So much better at home. Yeah. So you see, I had a similar feelings. I had echoes of the Lons away game and echoes of the Newcastle away game. And I'm not worried about either of those two return, return games. It's, it's what a, I'm worried about is our two toughest away games of the season so far in the league, we've lost. And lost in a manner that makes me feel like the either the strategy or the lack of uh, an alternative set of tactics means that it could be an uncomfortable, say, trip to Anfield in a couple of weeks or, you know, whenever we play City, let's face it, you know, Spurs are in that mix. Uh, United, United. place we bloody hate to go. Yeah, we've still got slightly tricky uh, away fixtures to deal with. But if you get well beaten, if you go to a place and get well beaten, fair and square, isn't that easier to deal with or is it more frustrating? No, I put my hands that, up. If, that, if we deserve to lose a game, that's fine. Like we deserve to lose the, it. But you know, you see, you say we've lost our two hardest games, but both of those were under contentious circumstances. Yeah, we didn't we deserve to lose either. Shouldn't have lost either. Yeah. Oh, see, I felt I came away from yesterday feeling like we definitely didn't deserve anything. Oh, we should have won that game, Steph, all day long. All <laughs> that's day how long. I felt. I, t- yeah, so I told I you to rewatch the second half. You'll I'm feel a lot better. I'm not rewatching any of that. No, well, you <laughs> if just I watch lo- another you, second, you're just old Eeyore, aren't you? You just like if I you- watch another second of Emmy Martinez take <laughs> 15 seconds to walk to the edge of his box, throw the ball out into the middle of the pitch and kick it before he then you know falls on his ball and starts 
counting the grass. He carried just... that ball outside the penalty box several times as well. Like, I wonder when they're going to catch was on. Was that, that picked up on, or is that as just as looking and wondering? Because it just felt like he was taking liberties. He was taking yeah. liberties, and I'm just sick of right. So right, you've got me on referees now. Right, so this classic thing of. There are certain things that happen in football that we all know happen, but will never change. Um, one of them is a, if a if a, an attacking player gets a shot away on the edge of the box, and then a, then a defender comes in and wipes them out, they don't get the foul because they got the shot away. Like that's a real scenario that happens in football. But like in yesterday, with with the keeper time wasting, referees always make the little gesture. With their arm saying, come on, come on, hurry up. I'm the referee, I'm in charge, hurry up. Book him. Book him straight away. If you're acknowledging time wasting, it's a booking. Surely. Deliberate, we're saying. But they never do. If they ever book a keeper, it's in the last 10 minutes where they know it's too close to the end of the game to give them another yellow card. Mm -hmm. And it's just ridiculous. Edison got booked in the first half against us. We saw... It felt like we saw the ball in place so little yesterday, and maybe that's adding to it as well. I think as a spectacle, to watch it from the stands, it was a bit crap, because because there was loads of errors, there was loads of time wasting, it got niggly, it was just a frustrating It was frustrating to watch on the box as well, to be honest with you. We should have won the game. We played well enough to win the game, away at Villa, away at the... Greatest team that's ever played football at home. Ugh, yeah, we 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 deserve to win. That's a, a broader emotionless response takeaway from it. You know, and I get that, and I I have managed today to look back and think that you know bigger picture, and it's that thing you know over a longer period of time, those high statistics for possession and chance creation and things like that will see as you know fight for the title I, I, you know whether we win it or not it's 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 going to be bloody close but and I, I even sort of reasoned with myself you know the fact that Liverpool have gone top and we play them in a couple of weeks but they're going to lose Salah probably for a, a few weeks because of the African Cup of Nations and he's so central to to what they do going forward um you know, and I've seen lots of stats flying about about oh, it's all well and good Arsenal restricting other teams to so few shots. Look at how attacking Liverpool are, and they allow the other teams to have shots, and they're now top. And it's like, well, yeah, fine, but they're going to lose their best attacker for a month, possibly. So you know, it's just well. Let's just look weird. at positive, Steph, because I'm worried about your health. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so I've I've just made a list. No 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 uh, particular order. I've just written no no defensive cock-ups. I thought the Villa goal was good football. I think you've got to acknowledge that. As in defensive cock-ups that led to a goal, i.e. Well, it was only one. I thought they turned us a little too simply in mid midfield from that for that time of the game. I wanted us to be a That's a good goal. That was a good Villa goal. It was a good goal. But they, there was lots and, of there was lots of but, defensive mistakes in the game. But you could, but you can, you can look at any goal you concede and point to a defensive error somewhere. We were, we were beaten by, I mean, by a really high quality piece of football, and they scored from it. Uh, we didn't make any other mistake that led to a goal because there was no other goal. Whereas I'm looking at David Raya against Luton, two mistakes, two goals. Um, I'm looking at David Raya yesterday 
he, he came and didn't get a corner quite early doors. And there was a spell in the second half, because that was, that was down in front of us. Ball comes over the top. Gabriel makes a move to, to, to communicate with him to come and get it. And Raya panics and runs back. At which point, Gabriel then has to put on the afterburners to try and make up for it. it the, there's now a nervousness with Raya, which we spoke about last time, created by this situation, because both keepers are now under such scrutiny. I there, actually think he had just a decent some game through the team yesterday. It was weird. I thought he had a, dis- a decent game. I thought his um, he made one particularly good save. Was it from Watkins, which was flagged offside, but actually wasn't offside. Had the ball gone in the net, it would have counted. Um, he made other decent saves as well, like in terms of shot stopping. When you look at the third Luton goal, I think that's a positive um, improvement. He was beaten by his, the first shot on goal, wasn't he? Um, mm-hmm. John McGinn, but again, like it's, it was a good piece of football. Haven't we conceded something like five or six goals in our last six or seven shots faced or something ridiculous? Yeah, and it shouldn't be anything like that. Mm. Uh, we created plenty of chances and I thought Havertz was excellent again. Yes. So, you know, it's... I'd argue that you might have been our best player yesterday. Yeah, I, th- I think so. But I then was, everyone I else was done. particularly poor, especially the front line. <laughs> Any other positives, Sorry, you're doing the Chris? positives, aren't you? You're doing the positives. Yes, Steph. That's why I said. That's why up. I asked Chris. I'll I bypassed you then. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say Havertz again, and and that is a huge positive because if we can get him cooking in that role, uh, he will be a huge asset going forward. And Touchwood, he doesn't seem to be <clears throat> getting injured or tired. He's actually becoming more. I thought yep. yesterday he was up for the fight. He looked. He really went head to head. He went head to head with physical, Martinez as well. Pacey. Yeah, it's good to see. Let's leave that there. I, I think there's plenty of positives. I think Villa away is a tough place to go, and I think we made them look very ordinary whilst playing quite ordinarily ourselves. Looking forward, we've got Brighton at home on Saturday, no, Sunday, sorry. Um, but before that, we've got PSV away. Now it's a dead rubber in the Champions League. All I want for the team selection is no player to start against PSV who started against Villa. Now, Chris, did you did you pick a team? So Ramsdale, Cedric, Saliba, Kivior. I know we don't seem to have any other centre halves. And Walters. I, I picked a midfield with Luis Skelly, Jorginho, and Nwanieri. And then up front, I put Saladin, Eddie, and Nelson. I mean, I'd be really happy with that, apart from Saliba. Yeah, but I can't find any other centre halves. Play a full uh, play, Walters there. Or you could play El Nenny. Yeah, play El Nenny at centre back. There you go. But Steph, you have spent a lot of time picking an eleven. Yeah, I say <laughs> that, and then I've picked an absolutely ridiculous formation and and gone with this idea. Okay, so Ramsdale in goal because you know he needs his moment under the. Under Champions the, League, the, yeah. the Champions League lights and all that kind of thing. Um, I've gone for a back three of Cedric, Kivior and Walters. I know, I know, <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, and then I've got, so I've gone three, four, three. So my four is Luis Skelly, Jorginho, Elneny and Nwanieri. <laughs> and then, so the front three then becomes Nelson and Ketia and Sago Jr., Interesting, yeah. <laughs> it's not far off mine, actually. So, I mean, Trossard probably could start, but then I feel, I feel Trossard is is almost like you want to keep 
Well, the narrative, Brighton, come well, on. Oh, we want to keep his powder yes. dry. Good narrative. Keep the powder dry for Sunday. So, I mean, I literally don't care. I'm, I'm with Holly. I don't want to see any of them no. on the plane. I just want to see Mikel climbing the steps of the plane with all the young uns, and you're looking at them going, who's he? I don't even want to see Arteta there. I'd don't like we- Arteta to sell... <laughs> AirPod Albert again to PSV and just Arteta stay at home and, and just do the very light training with the, the first 11. Um, play with win. Play with win. Just, just play with win. <laughs> I did hear a dog bark in there, actually. Did that put that, that in your mind? That was my dog. <laughs> right. my, dog you, my, my dog is called Loss. Uh, <laughs> She's, yeah, you... she gets renamed according to the results. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lossy. I'm not laughing because I'll only start coughing. So I'm, you know, I'm just thinking of all different football. Win, loss, draw, extra time, pens, Lucky. replay, yeah. replay. I could call her VAR and just kick her around, couldn't I? <laughs> Well, you call a VAR, but then you let someone else train her. That's how it works, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you defer responsibility. She'd yeah. she do a better job. She'd do a better job. <laughs> let, let's have so, a yeah. look at the other results this weekend. Oh, Palace, let's. Palace, mm. Palace 1, Liverpool 2. Don't start there. Liverpool. It's the, it's the first game well, of no, the weekend. Let's start there, because... Uh, that's frust- that's the frustration out of yeah. the way because that that was um, nailed on as a draw I thought and then there's one more frustrating that last win, in fact two no, two two. So annoy- I mean we all thought Liverpool would win that game and they did. The manner mm. in which they won it though they are not playing. This isn't this all kind of feeds into my my more slightly more positive mindset at the end of the weekend is that Liverpool are not playing well and they're getting the results fine but they're playing like you know we had the top we had the the, the 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 tougher game this weekend away to Villa. No one else had a tougher, um, like I say, City away at Luton and Liverpool away at Palace. Well, I'd take those two games over away at Villa if I had a choice. So we had the hard we had the harder of the three games. And then come on, three o'clock on Saturday, Manchester United nil, Bournemouth three. I mean, what's not yeah. to absolutely love about that? Delighted they beat Chelsea during schooled. the week, keep them in the job a little bit longer, get tanked 3-0 at home to Bournemouth at the weekends. It's, 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 um, oh, sorry, I've got a Goldbridge golden moment. Yes. So this is his reaction to the third Bournemouth goal. Look at them all, this is talking about his defenders. Look at them all standing there, out of their depth. They've got a vacant look in their eyes. You know when the dog's taking a shit? Have you ever looked it in the eye? That's what United's defence looks like. I'm like shitting yeah, dogs. I actually haven't looked at a dog in the eye whilst it's mm. taking a dump. I don't know. It's just not something that's occurred to me to do. But you will now. But I will now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He also said after the game, "How have we lost three nil at home to Bournemouth? They're basically Burnley with their fucking peer." I've never been to uh, Bournemouth and I'm never going. They can piss off. (laughs) (laughs) So petulant. (laughs) Good luck with the bleep machine today, Yeah, sorry about that. It's all right. It's a quote. You're allowed. I toned it down, dialed it down for the first quote, but forgot for the second one. So that's the United. Come on, that was... I mean, nobody expected that. I thought 
when someone told me it was three 0 I thought they were taking the mick. I was like, oh, and they had a fourth disallowed. <laughs> it was glorious. It was glorious to watch. And then someone sent me the clip. There's a there's a video doing the round. Someone filmed Ten Hag at the end of the game. So the final whistle goes, and obviously the benches are doing their different things. The Bournemouth bench are, are, are sort of you know fist bumping and all this kind of thing, and the Man United sort of bench are coming out rather seriously. He's just stood staring off into the distance. It's just far away stare like a shitting dog. <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't. He literally doesn't move, and it's just, it is. It is funny. <laughs> Indeed, yes. But like, Ollie, keep him there longer. Although they'll just find another is, one. I've, I wonder if there's something in that as well, where it's about, sometimes it's about playing teams at the right time. We've played Villa at the wrong time. We played Newcastle at the wrong time. I mean, Spurs. Should, should have New- beaten them both. Well, probably. Spurs absolutely walloped Newcastle today because Newcastle are just running on empty because they've yeah. had so many injuries that they can't rotate. So it is about trying to play teams at the right time and Bournemouth are in a good place at the minute and Man United are very you know hit and miss and it's it's one of those things and then on to today then you've mentioned Spurs beat Newcastle 4-1 Richarlison managed to score a goal with his foot so that's how bad Newcastle were yeah that's how bad Um, Everton beat Chelsea 2-0 we said we agreed to continue mentioning Chelsea's results um, so is anyone mm-hmm. actually surprised by that? No, not at all. No, no not at all. No, not at all. I Everton them, are actually I, quite all right. <laughs> yeah, well, they're organised, you know. They know what they're doing competent. on the football pitch. That's they're that's the difference. Yeah. And uh, Pochettino, for the first time, is now talking about we have to put, we have to buy in January, we have to buy in January. It's like, um, what have you have been you not doing? Have anything about your new football club? Jesus. Um, and uh, obviously Man City, you've already mentioned it. They won 2-1 at Luton. Today, again, again, they went 1 0 down. Not invincible. No, and Haaland mm. was out, and I don't know how Stress long he's out fac- for. Fracture to the foot. Okay, that could be a few games. I don't know. They've got an easier run of games coming up, haven't they? Do you know what I think? I think they might click a little bit better if he's not in the team. Because what they'll do is they'll get more proper midfielders in midfield rather than bringing the defender into midfield well, Alvarez will just be more and Alvarez will take more of a position and who scored today was it um, uh, Silver and Grealish I thought Grealish got one yeah, yeah. so this is what I think I, th- I think it will it will revert to the more classic kind of Guardiola side where we are used to seeing with lots still of without, good midfielders st- still without De Bruyne though so oh absolutely and that will help. you know what you hope is that opposition teams now take the lead from the likes of Villa um, and even Luton taking the lead and think actually just have a go at City they're vulnerable at the minute and we'll see see what happens rather than just setting up not to concede seven and I just wanted to mention that Fulham beating West Ham 5-0 not a bad week for a home fan if you're at the cottage two 5-0 wins amazing yeah, I hope they run out of steam before New Year's Eve because I'm looking forward to Fulham away. Ah, <laughs> oh. well, they won't. They won't have a striker in by then. But you know, yeah, but Jimenez is it's Jimenez, Jimenez back found his has, boots yeah. now. Mm, yeah. A- any, any. I've got nothing else. I'm, I'm running on empty now. I've got a, a positive to oh, end yes. on was that the Arsenal women 
Walloped, Walloped Chelsea four one. Chelsea in front of a We're pretty much full house, almost full house. Yeah, level on points. Yeah, and the thing is, if you watch the game, Arsenal could have scored seven, eight, nine in the last mm. ten minutes. It it really they could have absolutely obliterated the the goal difference. We're still like I think three goals. In, um, inferior to them in terms of goal difference. Is it three? So okay. it would be just like score two goals and that would have two more goals and that would have wiped that out. But yeah, a, a record crowd for a a, a WSL game, fifty nine over fifty nine thousand. Um, Fantastic. And and Chelsea were that's their first defeat of the season, and and I I I was in attendance for the only defeat, which was the first game of the season at home to Liverpool. It's like well. You're welcome, Arsenal. Well, I I did deliberate. I know, I know the game was on BBC, but I deliberately didn't watch because every time I watch Arsenal women when they're on the box, we we lose, and it's just it cannot be a coincidence. But even the last three or four times, that <laughs> it, it is a coincidence. Them, I know it's a coincidence, <laughs> but I you know I wonder if that's how much you know I'm embracing uh, you know all the different teams at Arsenal because I'm now treating them with the same level of respect s- superstitiously yes. Than, yes. as I would the men's team, you know, uh, like those seasons when I've gone through, you know, not changing my top until I until we lose in that mm-hmm. top and then I wear a different top and uh, all that nonsense, eating in the same place, having the same thing on the menu because, oh, I had a pie last time and we won, so I'm having a pie again. Oh, I- Don't go back to that kebab place then. Oh, God, no. It is good, though. <laughs> no, you have to find somewhere else the next time you go up there. Just on the more positivity <laughs> that Ethan Waneri, he scored um, five goals in the under eight, for the under-18s. In a 7-1 win versus Crew, He scored yeah, five. So, mm. so he, he's definitely going to be on the plane to PSV. I hope he's One in the starting 11 as assume. well. Because he's playing at all levels now. He's normally in yeah. the under-21s, isn't he? But he was on the bench for the previous Champions League game, wasn't he? Him and Miles mm. Lewis Skelly, and so I'd like to see the two of them start. I, I think that's probably an indication. I'm hoping that they will, because why else would you include them in the Champions League squad to get them used to the atmosphere and a perfect opportunity? And their then bodies on the pitch preserves the first eleven for win against Brighton. Yeah, a couple of away games now, and and that we can kind of rest the legs for this week and go again against Brighton. And you, as you said, Brighton play on Thursday. I should have looked up to see what they're, if they, if they can rest players as well as what I'm saying. I don't know. Right. Should we leave it there? Yep. Yeah, leave it on an up. On an up. Yeah. We, we'll come back again. We'll uh, What day are we playing PSV? Tuesday. Tuesday, right. So we'll reconvene on Wednesday and have a look forward to Brighton as well as a look back at PSV. Yeah. All right, guys, thanks a lot. And uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week, wherever you are. See you guys. Cheers. Bye. See ya. The North Bank, an Arsenal podcast. Subscribe, rate and review on your app and find us on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok at NorthBankPod. Email hello at thenorthbankafc.com and check out our website, thenorthbankafc.com. Produced by The Podcast Company. You ready? Yes. 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 <laughs> Hello and welcome. To- oh, okay. Thanks Sorry. for that, Chris. <laughs> Was there a little arson? Ghost of arson. Ooh, I am the ghost of arson. See, if I start laughing, Chris, I immediately following the laughing will be the coughing. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Bob Fleming will turn up. <laughs> Coughing Bob. Yeah. <clears throat> there he goes. I think I got it. That's got it. That's got it. That's got it. That's got it. Are we rolling?